Morning people, hopefully you guys are doing well inside your bubble and that you're not being driven crazy by the um, complete and utter isolation that you've been living in. I've been doing pretty well, although I will have to admit that um, I've done nothing but eat, which is not great. But anyway, we'll get there and hopefully, um, so looking forward to seeing everybody once we are outside of this um, back at church. I have so missed worshipping corporately together, so I'm um, really looking forward to that. Um, but I've had this kind of uh, word on my heart and I'm really quite excited to share it, although I do feel a little bit odd doing it via this way. But anyway, we'll get there. So hopefully you'll catch the spirit of what it is that um, I wanted to share with you. So if you could turn with me to 1 Samuel um, chapter 30, verse 1 to 6. Now it happened when David and his men came to Ziklag on the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziklag, attacked Ziklag and burned it with fire, and had taken captive the women and those who were there from small to great. They did not kill anyone, but carried them away and went their way. So David and his men came to the city, and there it was, burned with fire, and their wives and their sons and their daughters had been taken captive. Then David and the people who were with him lifted up their voices and wept until they had no more power to weep. And David's two wives, Aninoam and the Jezreelite, and Abigail, the widow of Nabal, the Carmelite, had been taken captive. Now David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him, because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and his daughters. But David strengthened himself and the Lord his God. And I absolutely love that one sentence. It's not even a whole verse. It's just one sentence. And David strengthened himself and the Lord his God. So this is a pretty awful story. And I want to kind of give you a bit of context around it. Um, so really, it kicks off back a few chapters earlier in chapter 27. And in verse 1, and it says, And David in his heart... Actually, we probably need to go back a step further. So in case you aren't familiar with the story of David, we had David who had come along and we first meet him in, in the story and he is a, a young boy and he's a shepherd boy and he's looking after the sheep and he's doing all that sort of stuff for his family because he's the youngest. The youngest is always sent away to do the kind of the, the not so fun job. So that, that's what David's doing. He's out doing that. And as he's doing that, he forms this amazing relationship with God. And he is beyond where everybody else is in terms of intimacy with God. Because he's not living a relationship that's based on law, but he's living a relationship that's actually based on a relationship with God. So here we have David. And as the story progresses, he comes along and he gets anointed to be the next king of Israel. So the prophet comes and through a series of, of circumstances, it's David, and so they anoint him. So David knows that he has this call of God on his life. And as he does that, he then fronts up and he has the whole, um, if you've made the story about David and Goliath, he defeats Goliath, uh, and that's amazing, and saves all of Israel. And so from there, Saul, the king at the time, invites David into his home, and David dwells there, and he becomes friends with the family, and he marries Saul's um, daughter, and so... He then learns how to become a mighty warrior. And I think, honestly, only because he had actually defeated the giant. So they assumed, oh, he must be a warrior. So he trains and he becomes this warrior. The whole time, of course, we know that he has a heart for God. He has a heart for worship. And, and we see that through the Psalms. If you read through the Psalms, he wrote beautiful passages. 
So anyway, so here we have David and he becomes this mighty warrior. He becomes this amazing strategic warlord and he defeats the enemies of Israel. But unfortunately what happens is that Saul becomes very jealous. Saul becomes very upset because people are giving all this accolade to David. And David receives it all, good, good natured, like doesn't, from what we can see in the scriptures, he doesn't lord it over people, but he's just who he is. So Saul becomes so twisted with jealousy that he begins to hunt David and he tries to kill him several times. And each time um, David returns back to Saul to serve him because, you know, he doesn't understand what's going on. And so this whole process for a number of years is Saul trying to kill David and then Saul says he's sorry and David comes back and the whole thing kind of continues. But while this is going on, also you have is David becoming this great leader that he takes a whole lot of guys who are just nothing guys and turns them into this mighty army and this mighty force. Anyway, so they travel with David. They're traveling with David and it gets to the point where we reach in chapter 27 where David says this, and David said in his heart, now I shall perish someday by the hand of Saul. There is nothing better for me than that I should speedily escape to the land of the Philistines. And Saul will despair of me and seek me and to seek me any more in the part of Israel. So I shall escape out of his hand. This is actually really quite discouraging. This is actually really sad. You see, David had reached this point where he had stopped trusting God to protect them. He had stopped trusting in the destiny and the purpose that God had given him. See, God had said to him and had anointed him, you will be king of Israel. And David had gotten weary and tired and just over the whole situation that he was in, over constantly having to hide from Saul, over constantly having to run from Saul. And basically he got to the point where he was no longer trusting in God. He had reached a level of despair where he's just like, you know what, I'm going to perish at the hand of Saul, so I'm just, I'm just going to escape. So what David does is he leaves Israel, but he doesn't just leave Israel and take his family. He actually takes 600 men with him. This is actually not a good thing. When you are in despair and you're a leader and you're taking others with you, you are leading them into your despair. So he took 600 men and their families out of the land of promise to go and live in the land of the ungodly. Now, if David had never have sunk into such discouragement and such despair, he would never have actually done that. So what he did is he goes and he lives with the Philistines and he begins to fight on behalf of the Philistines. They actually gave him Ziklag to live in and that was fine, um, him and his 600 men. But he was working for the Philistines. Now, maybe he decided that he wasn't going to um, take it so far as to be an enemy of Israel. So he would actually fight against the enemies of Israel. And what he would do is he would go along and he basically became a bandit. Him and his guys stopped being men of honor, stopped being men of integrity, stopped doing what God had told them to do. And they became thieves. They became murderers. They became robbers. They were just bandits. So they would go on, they would attack these towns and they would destroy them. And I don't just mean destroy them as in the buildings. They would take all the wealth and then they would slaughter every single person. 
And when you think about the David that we know about, it's really hard to understand how he could go from being this guy who was so loving of God and so devoted to God, who God had called to be the king of Israel, to a guy who was actually nothing but a thief and a murderer. And so we come along and he had gone off to battle. Him and his men had gone to battle with the Philistines. They were going to go to war with the Philistines. But the other Philistine kings had actually said, you know what, we don't trust David. Now, I don't know exactly why they didn't trust him, but it's kind of smart not to. He's been going around murdering people, destroying villages, destroying townships and robbing. So David and his 600 men had gone and they were told, no, we're not going to fight with you. You need to go back home. So they turn around and they are going back home. And according to the Bible, it takes them three days. On average, they would walk about 40 kilometers. So here they are walking 40 kilometers a day all the way back home after they would have already walked to the battle site. And as they get there, you kind of you got to imagine what this is going to be like for them. They're marching along. They're weary. They're tired. They're also men who are used to physical battle, and I guarantee they had a bit of bloodlust in them. So they were excited about going into battle to be suddenly told we're not going into battle. So they'll be a bit disappointed. They'll be a bit angry, a bit frustrated, you know. And as they're marching along, they're coming towards home. And home's always a good place to be. And they'll be getting a little bit excited, looking for family, looking for their people, looking for the comforts of home. And instead of seeing the home cooking fire coming up, they see thick black smoke. They would have started to get a little bit worried. And they didn't see uh, people come, the kids, because it would have been the children running out to greet their parents, their dads. They didn't see that happening and that would have been unusual. So there would have been this concern that had started to build up. And when they get there, instead of this wonderful welcome of home comfort that they were expecting. They arrived tired and hungry to discover that their whole entire town was burnt and there was not one person left, there was nobody around and they would have seen devastation. They're actually really lucky that all their women and children had been taken away and not slaughtered like David had been doing to other people. In some ways, it's a bit like God's poetic justice coming into play. Instead of having received back what you've been doing to others, God will actually discipline us. But because he's a loving father, he will temper that. And I think in David's case, that's what he did. Instead of the Amalekites coming in and completely slaughtering everybody, they just took the, the women and children away. And I think that's a sign that God was allowing that mercy to happen because he doesn't discipline us as much as we deserve. So when they get there and their hearts become broken, they knew, they knew something was wrong. So that worry would have been sitting there and it would have gotten building up being even worse. And they reach there and they discover their wives are gone, their children are gone, everything else, their wealth is gone. And they began to weep because everything is lost. They've got nothing left. And David at this point has got nothing left to support him. No one in Israel could help him. It's like the Philistines didn't want him. His family's been taken. Everything he owns is gone. And even now his friends are turned against him because they spoke of stoning him. 
So everybody was gone except the Lord, except God. And you know what? That is actually a good place to be. It's not a bad place. When you lose everything and you've still got God, that's a good place. And David wept not only because everything was gone and everything was lost. He would have also wept because he was responsible. He would have known that as the leader, he was responsible for what had happened. And this is about as low as he could get. He was in such a backslidden state. He is just at the lowest point. And when you're at that point, like the prodigal son, he realizes, I, I actually need to return. I need to come back to God. David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. See, David was backslidden. He was gone. So why would God, why would God strengthen him? Why would God strengthen us? Because God is rich in mercy and he's rich in grace. David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. He received strength and he felt it flow through him. And he was bold enough to ask God for it. And he was bold enough to believe that God would give it to him so he could receive it. Because it's one thing to ask, it's another thing to receive. See, he may not have realized that he was weak until this moment because on the natural he was very strong. But you always reach a point where you need God. David strengthened himself and the Lord his God. He didn't wait for somebody else to come along. He didn't wait for God and say, okay, God, if you want me to be strong in this, then just infuse me with strength. Or just, I'm just going to wait here for God to move something. If God wants me to have this, then it will just automatically happen. That's not what he did. He strengthened himself. You see, God was there for him the whole entire time. And God is there for you the whole entire time. But all you have to do is reach out and receive and you'll be strengthened. David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. And I'm not talking about a cheerleader moment. It's not like rah-rah, positive mumbo-jumbo. It's none of that. When you are taking on the strengthening yourself in the Lord, the strength is for recognition and the strength is for brokenness and the strength is for repentance and the strength is for determination to take back what the enemy has taken from you. It's the same strength that raises Jesus from the dead. When you partner with the Holy Spirit and you partner with God, you gain strength. And that sounds all great and lovely, doesn't it? But how? How do you strengthen yourself? How did David strengthen himself? There are five short th keys that I wanted to share with you quickly that David did. The first thing is, is that David remembered God's love. See, at a point of complete and utter loss, David saw how much God loved him. You see, he would have been really annoyed when he reached the Philistine army and they rejected him and said, no, you have to go. The thing is, if that hadn't have happened, they would have spent months and months away from their families. And by the time they would have got back to them, they would not have known what had happened in months and months. And who knows what would have happened to their family in those months. So sometimes what looks like rejection is actually God saving you from something. You've got to remember God's love. Not only that, the second thing is you've got to remember God's promise and his calling. God had anointed him to be the king of Israel. And just because current circumstances said differently does not mean that he was no longer to be the king of Israel. God had always intended it. You know, this current season that we're in, it's, I remember at the start of this year, Craig and I went up to the top of Anzac Road and we had communion together, prayed over this year. I even did a whole big post at the start of the year about putting 2020 into the hands of God. Has any of that changed because of the season we're in? No, it hasn't. Has God obviously moved and the Holy Spirit prompted me to do these things? Yeah, I kind of think he did. 
So David remembered God's love. He remembered God's promise and calling. Number three is he remembered God's past deliverances. He could say, I know I'm in a really bad spot now, but I remember when I was in a bad spot before and, and I defeated the bear and I defeated the lion and God delivered me from those things. He delivered me from Goliath. And you have those moments in your own life when you can say, God delivered me and God defeated this and God took me out of that problem. So the situation you're in may be dire, it may be awful, but God can and he will deliver you because he hasn't, um, he will not let you perish. If he saved you before, he's not going to let that go. The fourth thing is that he took God's encouragement. David took God's encouragement, not from anybody else. In 1 Chronicles 12 verses 19 and 20, he was given a reason to be encouraged, and that is that the men from Manasseh came to him and they said, we will stand with you even though everybody else won't. But David does not say that that is what gave him courage. You see, what he took courage by the fact that he was in a relationship with God. And the fifth thing, it was what was what David said in his heart. You see, what he said back in 1 Samuel chapter 27 got him into this whole entire mess. What he said then about, about nothing's going to happen, nothing's going to go right, Saul's going to kill me. That is what started him down a track of being completely backslidden. But what he said to himself in this moment to strengthen himself um, brought him out of it. And sometimes... Some of the best talks you will ever have is with yourself when you give yourself a darn good talking to and you sit yourself down and you lay out this is what it is. You see, if you do not talk to yourself, the promises of God, the deliverance of God, you will end up in despair. One of the things, and I have no idea where you're at at the moment. I don't know what's going to happen in the next three or four months. I don't know when we're coming out of this lockdown. And I don't know if you're going to have a job, if you're not going to have a job. But I know this, that God loves you. That he is for you. That he has plans and purposes for you. That he will cease to fulfill regardless of what the circumstance of this world is telling you at the moment. And whatever it is that he has for you, it will be done. It will come to pass. So I just want to pray with you right now. Father, I just thank you, God, for these amazing, wonderful people that you put in our life. I thank you, God, for the gifts and the talents and the purposes that you have for them. I pray, God, that regardless of the circumstance and the season they find themselves in, God, that they would anchor themselves on your word, that they would anchor themselves on the promises that you have given. God, that they would anchor themselves on the fact that you love them more than anything else. God, that you are not afraid of things that are coming, that nothing that has happened has surprised you, and that everything that you have said, every word of prophecy that you have for them um, comes to pass regardless of the circumstances because you already knew that this was happening. So I thank you, God, that they're going to go away today and they're going to strengthen themselves in the Lord, that they're going to strengthen themselves in you, that they're going to walk, Father, the rest of this time, knowing that they are strengthened by God. And all the people said, Amen. Have yourself a great week and we'll see you um, hopefully really soon.